Welcome, and thank you for joining us for Simple Truths, the podcast of Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. Today, we will dive into God's Word to seek simple truths for everyday life. Let's join Pastor Josh Dixon for today's Simple Truth. Turn your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter 1 in your New Testament today. When you find your place, if you'd stand with me, please, for the reading of God's Word, chapter 1. We're going to begin here in about uh, verse 6 and read down through verse 12. Chapter 1, verse 6, the book of Acts. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea in Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, verse 9, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Verse 12, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. Thank you so much for standing in honor of the reading of God's word. You may be seated this morning. I hope by now that you're looking for God to move on the mountains of your life so that you can be prepared for victory, not only on the mountaintop, but also in the valley. We've certainly seen throughout the scripture that God uses the mountaintop experiences to get his point across to us as his people. In all that we have visited, there is no higher peak spiritually than that of what we visited last week, that peak of Calvary. Today, however, we visit a mountain that was no strange place to the disciples of Christ. We'll wrap up our series, actually, today upon this mountain. It's the Mount of Olives. Ironically, it is the perfect place for Christ's ascension, which is what happens in our text here, because it has been the focal point or the location of the, the entire cross story. Always in the shadows, really, always in the background was the Mount of Olives as Christ did his earthly ministry. We're just outside of Jerusalem as we are on top of the Mount of Olives in our text. And it's here that the triumphal entry took place, if you remember that from the Gospels. People proclaimed at the triumphal entry, Hosanna. You remember this? Say amen. Hosanna to the King. Here also among the trees in the garden. Christ prayed and prepared to be the blood sacrifice for all mankind. It is here on the Mount of Olives that Christ was betrayed by Judas. He was arrested and he was ushered away ultimately to the cross. This was a mountaintop that they had been on several times before. I think that you see that now, but not in this fashion. This was a new day on the Mount of Olives. Before their hope and victory was only spoken of, 
Christ was still teaching them or telling them of what was going to happen. And now, I think you get the point, it has happened. For the believer, the mountain will always be that of victory. Would you say amen to that? It'll always be a place of new beginnings. God will always be taking you to new heights, even though it may be on a familiar ground. And I want to maybe pause on that thought for just a moment because that's so true of what we're doing here this morning, church. This is a familiar mountain of our week. We get to come up here. Did you hear what I said? We get to come up here on a weekly basis. Not only on a Sunday morning, but we get to come up here on a Sunday evening too. We get to come up here uh, multiple times throughout the, throughout the week. And this is a mountain that God does things over and over and over again in our faith, doesn't he? He takes us to new heights and, and new beginnings in our heart and in our life. And then as we launch today our 30 days of prayer throughout this week, I want to say that too about Fall Family Weekend. Why do we do things like Fall Family Weekend? Why do we do things like we did in, in the Easter season? Those big pushers, those big rallies and campaigns, because we're expecting God to do something greater in this season than he has done in the past. This is a familiar mountain. Some of you came to the Lord. Some of you came to our church family. Some of you came to obedience in your relationship with the Lord through the mountain of Fall Family Weekend. It sets your, it sets your feet on a path of righteousness. It sets you back where you needed to be. It's a familiar mountain, but we're expecting God to do something new and fresh up on this mountain. I also want to highlight the fact that the book of Acts begins on the mountain of Olives. The book of Acts is a crucial piece to what we're doing right here today in light of the gospel. From the launching point of the Mount of Olives, the book of Acts records the spread of Christianity. In chapter 11, verse 26 of the book of Acts, it says this, and the disciples were called Christians first. Remember that verse? In Antioch. Within the 30 years covered, the book of Acts proves the far reach of salvation and staples of discipleship, moving from the Jew also to the Gentile. Principles of, of missions and missionary work is all found in the pages and chapters of the book of Acts. The pattern of church life begins in the book of Acts. From this vantage point, you can look out on the epistles, the books that follow the book of Acts, and see the full bloom of the doctrines that are only seed form here in this book. Somebody say amen if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Christ's ascension on the Mount of Olives provides for us some wonderful truths that give sustenance and meaning to our everyday lives. Discipleship had only begun here for the 11, and now they were called upon to lead, to organize, and to institute the most important aspect of the Christian life, the church. Notice what we learned from Christ's ascension on the Mount of Olives. Number one, for keeping notes, it's a mountain of reminder. They now were understanding everything that Christ had, had told them and displayed in the way of the gospel truth. From the cradle they had seen him to the cross and now to the empty tomb. It's a mountain that reminds us of time management. If you'll glance at verse 6 from our text in Acts chapter 1, you'll notice that verse 6 says this, 
When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this, notice this, time restore again the kingdom of Israel? We know that Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, teach us that God's ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are far beyond our capacity of thinking, and I'm thankful for that, aren't you? As the disciples gathered up on this familiar mountain, they were wondering and even asked some of the same things that many of us are seeking and asking today. They asked, when are you going to unfold, really, if you read between the lines, when are you going to unfold the things to come? Is this, they say this, is this the time? They were referring to the millennial kingdom in this verse, verse 6 of Acts chapter 1, that will one day be set up here on earth. They said the kingdom of Israel. In this time period, in this season, will you unfold the millennial, your millennial reign, and set up your kingdom? Now they knew about this truth. They knew about the millennial reign. They knew about this prophecy because Jesus had revealed and taught it to them back in Matthew chapter 24. If you're keeping notes, it'd be a great reference of it. But not only in the Gospels, it had been spoke of and prophesied of all throughout the Old Testament. They were on the edge of their seat expecting Christ to set all things in its rightful place. And praise God, one of these days he certainly will. Think about all that would be missed. Think about all that would, would have to be taken out if he would have set up his kingdom upon their request in that time period. Listen, our opportunity would be gone, wouldn't it? Our dispensation of time would not have existed in the way of our relationship with the Lord and our faith. The Gospels were all preparatory for this very moment. As we celebrated Wednesday night, I want to say to you this morning, God's timing is perfect timing. If you learn anything from this mountain, the Mount of Olives, it would be that timing is everything. And I would, I would add to that, God's timing is everything. From the triumphal entry that took place in the foothills of this mountain to the Garden of Gethsemane where he sweat great drops of blood and now to his ascension, the hope of resurrection. God's timing is perfect timing. As we look around, it's easy to get flustered. It's easy for us to get frustrated. It can be very easy for us to even get fretful at times with everything that is going on around us in the world today. Everything seemingly working against our faith and against our practice in the way of following the Lord and discipleship. Everything seems to be working against the grain of that. If you're with me, say amen. It'd be easy for us to get flustered. It would be easy for us to get frustrated and fretful about those things. It would be easy for us to call out to the Lord, is this the time? When are you coming, Lord? I do believe that these are signs. All of the things that we're seeing and, and, and all of the things that we're experiencing, these are signs of the times in which we are living. The scripture is very clear about those things. But I also believe that the trumpet is in the hand of the Lord and it won't be long until he calls us home. It's a mountain of patient trust. In verse 7, not only did they ask, but verse 7, we find that he answers. He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Jesus, like he had done many times before, reminds them, reminds the disciples of the wonderful benefit of being a child of God. And simply says, that's not for you to know. It's not a rebuke that he, that he says or the way that he answers. He doesn't rebuke them. 
but yet he provides for them a position. From the Mount of Olives, we are reminded to have patient trust. If you're saved, say amen this morning. That should be our position. A position of patient trust, listen to this, in the plan of God. What a wonderful truth. What a wonderful promise. The fact that we can trust, we can trust that God knows exactly what he is doing. Can I remind you of that this morning? Each and every one of us this morning in the hearing of my voice in person, through our live stream ministry, listening on the radio this morning, whatever it might be, I want to say to you that God knows exactly what he's doing with your life. He has a perfect, he has a perfect plan. What are you trusting God for this morning? Those disciples had learned time and time again that they needed, and that's really what the answer of Christ to them is, they needed to trust in him. What are you trusting the Lord for this morning? Some of you are going through a difficult season. We actually said a few of our families this morning in the time of our opening prayer that are, that are grieving. Some of you are struggling this morning. Some of you are in a difficult season. If you were to be honest, you'd have to say that. You feel like at times that you're just holding on with the tips of your fingers. It's difficult for you right now. I want to say to you, you can trust the Lord. You're in the valley, but a mountain is coming. Trust him. Some of you are lonely this morning in a world that is packed full and we can't squeeze anything else in our schedule. In a world that is packed full and always busy and always moving about. Even in a culture like that, some of us this morning are still struggling and feeling alone. Depression has become something that is very common among people today, even God's people. Can I remind you today, you can trust the Lord. He's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He loves you. He knows right where you are today. And if you're here today, you are right in the perfect spot for your faith. He wants to reassure you of who you are and his promises and goodness to you. Some of you are trusting him today. You have a prayer request, whatever it could be. Listen, I don't have the time to exhaust all of those avenues. Some of you are seeking God for something today. You're praying for something. It could be your health. It could be a financial burden. It could be something in the way of a relationship or your family, maybe something in the way of your job. Whatever it might be today, you're seeking God for something. And I want to say to you that Jesus told us if we ask, seek, and knock, he will what? He will answer. He'll open the door. God hears you. You can trust him with your prayer request. You, the timing of that answer is not up to you. It is up to him, and he will answer. You can trust him today. Some of you are seeking some answers. You need wisdom for your situation. It's not a material possession that you desire. You have to make some kind of a decision. You're seeking wisdom today. I always think about old Solomon when it comes to wisdom. He wasn't a worthy candidate, but God certainly gave it to him. He squandered it at the end of his life, and that's what I mean by a worthy candidate. But God provided upon his request all of the wisdom that he would ever need. He's the wisest man that has ever lived. God will provide you the answers that you need. I'm asking you this morning, what are you trusting God for? It's a mountain of reminder. Number two, it's a mountain of responsibility. Of all the things that could have been recorded and documented in the time that Jesus spent with his disciples between the resurrection and the ascension, which is approximately 40 days, we find that it is only that of our Christian responsibility that he includes. 
As a disciple, you have the ability to achieve this godly responsibility. Look at verse 8 with me, if you would, from our text. Verse 8 says this, but ye shall receive, say that next word out loud, power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. If you're saved this morning, say amen. You have the power of the Holy Spirit of God. If you're saved this morning, you have received. He dwells within you. Read the book of Ephesians. He lives inside of you. You have the power of God. He goes on and he says, After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to be a witness for the cause of Christ. And can I remind you that this is a, con a consistent job qualification for every believer. You're given the needed talent. You are given the gifting to achieve it. And that talent and gifting is found in and through the Holy Spirit of God. It's not like some of the other spiritual gifts. Listen, not every one of us have all of the spiritual gifts. I could not, and you would, you would not want me to go over here to the piano. That would be a disaster. Listen, we don't have all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but if you're saved this morning, you do have the power and the gifting to be a witness for the cause of Jesus Christ. Not only do you have the power and the gifting to be a witness for Jesus Christ, you are called upon to use that gifting, to use that power, to use that witness. The Great Commission, which was given in this very moment, this very moment of ascension and setting, says it this way, if you'll turn with me, holding your place in this text, we're going to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28, look at verse 18, please. The Great Commission says, that, says it this way, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. All power, he says, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he says in verse 20, I'm going to go with you. I'll always be with you. You hold the most valuable truth to life itself. If you're a believer here this morning, you hold the most valuable truth to life itself. And you have the mission of sharing that truth, the truth of Jesus Christ. J. Hudson Taylor said it this way, quote, The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed, end quote. From this mountain, the Mount of Olives, we see the urgency of our church challenge in every one bring one. Listen, that's a challenge for you to simply do what you are supposed to do as a Christian and a disciple of Christ, to share what God has done in your life, to just testify, to tell others the change that Jesus has made in your life. That's one of the things that I love about Fall Family Weekend, because if you have an old car, listen, you're coming to the cruise-in and inviting all of your cruise-in friends to come with you on Saturday afternoon. And not only do you get to look at old cars, but you get to present the truth of Jesus to them. A tractor pull, fun zone. We have amped it up on fun zone this year. I can't wait to go nuts in fun zone. We've got a stage in fun zone that we'll be having gospel music throughout the day from, from our people, different people all throughout the day on Saturday. We'll have the same thing in the Big Ten out here, have our own little gospel concert throughout the day. We have Steve Harney coming to be with us. 
on Saturday. Your kids will know him from camp. He'll be doing magic shows and different things like that. I'm looking more forward to that than I think the kids are. Then at 3 o'clock, he'll be bringing a gospel message. Listen, that's an opportunity for you to bring someone with you, to have fellowship, to have fun, to take your mind off of everything that's going on in this, this evil and wicked world and focus on something that is wholesome. Listen to this. Something that's authentic, that's genuine, that is truly life-changing. That's the truth of Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't know about you, but I am convinced that's what the world needs most. Everyone, bring one. It's our responsibility. It's our mission from the mountain or from this mountain. We see the urgency of that. Let me reassure you that you have the godly power. You have the ability and you have the opportunity to bring someone. As a disciple, you must promptly act on that responsibility. Verse 11 says, you men of Galilee, why stand ye? This is what the angel says to them as Christ ascends up into the cloud. Pause right there and look up here for just a moment. What did that look like? Are you kidding me right now? Can you imagine? It's no wonder. And listen, I'm giving them a little bit of an excuse. It's no wonder that they stood there. What did that look like as Jesus in his resurrected body, say amen to that, floats up into heaven? And the angel says, the angels don't have a lot of patience with us. Uh, what are you guys doing? He says in this text in verse 11, if I'm not mistaken, yes, it is. He says, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? You guys look like a bunch of spiritual morons. You've got something to do. There's a clarification of where he is going and, and what, is, what is to come. But in the phrasing of the angels, there's a sense of urgency, isn't there? Christian, you and I do not have the luxury or the time to stand around and wait for his return. We're to work until the job is complete. Christian responsibility will keep you focused, and it'll keep you focused personally, busy about the right things, and use you publicly, meaning this, that there is someone out there that will come if you would invite them. Listen, there's someone out there that would likely get saved if you'd witness to them. How do you know that, Pastor Josh? That's a pretty lofty statement. Think about the person that, that shared their faith with you. You are a product. You are fruit of their obedience. If you're saved this morning, you ought to say, praise God, the fact that they were obedient. Someone will listen. If you'll step out on responsibility, if you'll pray, if you'll invite, if you'll encourage, if you'll share truth, displaying, display your testimony and be Jesus to a lost and dying world. Some of us need to shake off the rust and get in the field. Some of you that have been soul winners in the past, listen, I'm calling upon you to shake off the rust and be Jesus to a lost and dying world. We need to let loose of some things that have preoccupied us from doing what we are supposed to do. And we need to get out in the field and trust the Lord for the fruit and for the end result of a harvest. Amen? Number three, and I'll be finished. It's a mountain that assures us of his return. The angels assured the disciples that this is not the end of the story. On this mountain, we're given the promise of a future mountaintop experience. Verse 11, you'll notice that it says, he shall come, uh, shall so come, excuse me, in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. They drop a little bit of information on these disciples that's very pertinent to us and to our faith. As you have seen him go, you will see him return. 
From the Mount of Olives, we are given the blessed hope. We are given the promise that there is coming a day in which he will return for us in like manner. If you have your place in, first, uh, in the first chapter of the book of Acts, go with me please to 1 Thessalonians, where we find a couple verses that are very parallel to this truth and this text. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, please, verse 16. Now we remember, we just laughed about it, but we remember the fashion in which Jesus ascended. He went up in, in a cloud. It says in this text of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, for the Lord, I like this, himself. He's not sending someone else. No one else is going to do this for him. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Do you see it? In the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be, praise God for that, with the Lord. There is certainty in this truth. I want to say to you this morning, this is not a maybe. This is a definitely. There is going to be a generation of believers that will witness and participate in the rapture. All believers have a part. All believers have a part. In that text, it says that the dead in Christ shall rise first. They will be reunited with their, their old fleshly body, but those that are alive will too ascend into the clouds in like manner of our text in Acts chapter 1. Just as he went up, listen, one of these days he's going to call us home. The trump will sound and we will go up to meet him with the clouds just as he went in Acts chapter 1. Somebody ought to testify to that truth. Mercy, he's coming. It's not a maybe, it's a definitely. Now come back to the opening part of our text where the disciples said, is this the time? Do you remember what he said in verse 7? That's not for you to know. That's not for you to know the time. Only the Father knows. I want to say to you this morning, according to our home text and 1 Thessalonians, we don't know when, but we know when he comes, we're going to meet him. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, I would be very alarmed if I were you. I'd be very concerned about this truth. If you're not saved, you do not have a ticket to fly. I've thought about that often. What will the rapture look like? I hope I'm doing a funeral that day. No offense to you if it's your funeral. Won't matter to you. <laughs> You're going to go first. I love to be in the cemetery on that day. Those old graves are going to bust open. They're going to go first. And listen, as soon as they bust open, I have in my mind that I'm going to go like this. Huh? Because we're going to follow. But if you're here this morning and you're not saved and the rapture were to happen in this service, in this moment. And by the way, let me tell you what 1 Corinthians says in chapter 15. It will be so fast you will not be able to respond. You cannot wait till the moment that you hear the trumpet and say, Lord, please forgive me. I do believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that you died on the cross, and you forgive me of my sins, and you also rose again. You will not have time for that. In the twinkling of an eye, this will all take place. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, let me be so upfront with you. Let me be so bold and confident with you. You need to get saved today. Jesus died for all of your sin. He desires to have a personal relationship with you. It's not about baptism. It's not about religion. It's not about giving an offering. It's not about being a good person. It's about receiving and accepting a relationship, his forgiveness through his blood, to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You don't know him, you're not ready, and you'll be left behind where it will eternally be too late for you. I too have, I too have tried to fathom that 
and I'm thankful that's not a reality for me. But what will the world look like? You think it's bad now? What will the world look like when all of the believers are immediately subtracted out of it? Have you ever thought about this place? This place will be empty. They'll be pulling on the doors, trying to get in, but you and I won't be here. Pastor Josh, could you move on because you're kind of scaring me? Good. Because if you're here and you're not saved, some of you have raised your hand. Some of you have been coming for weeks and you've not made a decision that I know about. Listen, your salvation is not something to play with. It's real. It's serious. And it's time sensitive. If you're not saved, today needs to be the day that you get saved. If you are saved, I want to say to you, as the angel said unto the disciples, you cannot stand around gazing up into the sky, waiting for him to return. You must be pursuing who and what you say you are. That is a Christian. Be one and bring others to the saving knowledge of Jesus. The Mount of Olives reminds us of patient trust. It provides us with responsibility and purpose, and it assures us of his blessed return. When we are living the shadow of what is provided on the mountaintop experience of the Mount of Olives, we can wholeheartedly say, we can wholeheartedly say what John says. If you turn with me, please, to the book of Revelation, and I'll be finished. Chapter 22. Very end of your Bible, verse 20. Let me restate this. When we are living the shadow of what is provided on the mountaintop experience of the Mount of Olives, we can wholeheartedly say what John says in Revelation chapter 20, 22, excuse me, verse 20. It says this, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely, you'll notice these are red letters, I come quickly. Those are the words of our Savior. John says, Amen. Then he says this, Even so, come. Lord Jesus. I don't know about you, but if you're Savior this morning, that's my prayer. Come on, Lord. I'm ready to see you. But until you come, I'm going to do my very best to serve you and to live for you. Thank you for joining us today for Simple Truths. If you would like to accept Christ as your Savior, or if you have questions, please give us a call at 937-383-1122. Or check us out on the web at bbcwilmington.org. Simple Truths is a podcast sponsored by Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. We hope you have a great day, and may God bless you.